Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hi, hi. And there she is at full volume, so she was uh, waiting to yell that out, so we're excited to be with you today. Uh, this should be episode 45 or 46, We're Lost, We Don't Even Know. Uh, we're, we've gotten into different numbers, and we're doing special episodes on the Book of Acts. If you haven't heard those, uh, I would encourage you to listen to that. We're doing a uh, walkthrough, chapter by chapter. On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays is when the episode will be posted. Um but we want to do it a little bit separately from the rest of the episodes that we do. That way you could, uh, if, if anything you get to listen to, listen to the book of Acts because we're going to uh, really focus on the word of God and uh, really talk about what happened in the book of Acts. So this episode is going to be titled um, Glory in This. Um, and it's really an, uh, something that's been on my mind for a while now. I wrote a song a couple years ago, probably 20 years ago, that was titled Glory in This, and it was based off of a scripture out of the book of Jeremiah. Um, so we'll read the scripture, and then we'll do a little discussion kind of about what what the idea here is. So go ahead if you don't mind. All right, this is Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. And in these things I delight, saith the Lord. There we have it. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. 20 and 4. So really, the uh, this episode, I, I titled it Glory in This, is really because of what he says there. Um, he goes on in other scriptures to say, let, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let, let not the rich man glory in his riches, and let not the strong man glory in his strength. Um, so there's some different things there he calls out that he says, you know, people shouldn't glory in that. They should glory in this, that you know and that you understand me, who God is. Um, and really this goes along with the idea of humility. Uh, one of the things, uh, one of the stories I always tell people, because I've gotten in trouble with this over the years. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents always told me to never take, um, I wouldn't say glory, but don't take any of the glory that someone wants to give you. Uh, for doing something for the Lord. Uh, back when I was younger, I'd started to, uh, felt like the Lord had called me to preach. And so at times I would go and preach and there would be people who would come up afterwards and they would say, oh, wow, brother, that was a great sermon. You you really, man, you really nailed that. That was a really good sermon, right? And so uh, as a kid, uh, my parents were very, uh, um, they taught me very well to look at, at the things that the Lord allows me to do as God being the reason and not me, not Brad Mason. Um, even with this podcast, we feel so much, Natasha could tell you I'm so much about this at the same time that I don't want to take anything away from God. When we talk about the podcast, we say, wow, it's really doing really well. And I usually go, yeah, but that's not me. He's he's very hard to compliment in any way, shape, yes, or form. And, and I, I admit that. I, I've had supervisors. The reason I got in trouble over the years is I've had managers and supervisors on the jobs that I've done. And I've had people say, wow, you did a good job. And I would be like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and I had one man manager who got really mad at me more or less. And he said, I don't understand what your problem is. He said, you need to learn to take a compliment. And I said, I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to be complimented because, um, the last thing in my mind is any strength that I have. And, and you know, I'm, I, maybe I'm weird this way, but any strength that I have, any gift or talent that I have, anything that I can do of myself, anything that Brad Mason can do with his own hands, two hands is not me doing it. It's not by me. Well, I think it's an important difference to point out that, you know, you've probably met people that you give compliments to and they 
automatically go the other way with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like they're trying to be negative. And this is not this is not what you do. You you don't have a problem taking the compliment, but you don't think that you have play any part in it. No. In that you're not trying to you're never one that's like, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing. No, which I is, don't. Which is, uh, runs rampant in this society Well, yeah, that, and that's today. the reason I wanted to bring this subject up, really, is because we live in a world that is a look-at-me kind of world. And I've, we've hit on this before with our um, Instagram. We have an Instagram account. We have a Twitter account. Am I on there? No, I'm not. I, I don't go on there. I don't post on there. Um, I've used Snapchat before, if you're familiar with Snapchat. That's um, funny. It is. It can be funny, but it is very uh, me-centered. All of this stuff is really me-centered. It's about look at my ideas, look at my thoughts, look at what I'm saying, look at pictures of me. Look, I'm eating lunch. Look, I'm eating dinner. Look, I'm washing my car. Well, I think a lot of people are trying to find self-worth, and it's it's their attempting to get it outside of themselves. Absolutely, based on others around them. I would as agree with that 100%. to their own brain yes. and thoughts and feelings. Well, but but that, there's this human instinct and need. Um, you know, we see it in kids, right? In children. This is this is why traditionally, if you don't understand, if you're not a Christian, this is why Christians um, fight so vehemently for a traditional family. We want to see a traditional family. We want to see a traditional marriage between a father and a, a mother and a husband and a wife. We want to see that because it's very important that the children have those influences in their life, that they have a male figure influence, that they have the female figure influence that they have parents who can raise them because each one offers their own positives and negatives i suppose but it's it's two halves of a whole right it's the same thing with um you're going to run into a lot of kids so we live in a generation where you have single parent households and i'm not i'm not disparaging that at all people do what they have to do and and do the best you can i i've been you know i was a single dad there for a while and you you do the very best you can and, um, you know, you give it to the Lord and you walk in that, that he's going to do something for you. You have to, you have to give it to him. But, but I think most people, if they're being honest, will, will readily admit that the ideal to, to give a child the best start in life is to have a mother and a father. Right. And so the point of this is that the things that people are looking for in society today, the approval of other people, the um, the the pride. Uh, so, you know, when your, your mom or your dad tells you when you're a kid, you know, I'm really proud of you. You did a good job. I really love you. You did fantastic. As a kid, that really means a lot. And so there's a generation of kids that have come up that are missing those kind of things. And so what they're doing is they're they're posting their uh, their life out for other people to see. And there there's so many people who are willing to um, they're willing to sell, honestly sell their bodies for it. They're willing to uh, go half naked. They're willing to do whatever they need to do to capture attention because they're desiring for someone to say, hey. You know, you did a good job. You really matter. You're important. And so it's feeding back into that idea. And and what we see is it's not a culture of humility. It's definitely not a culture of humility. It's a culture that says, look at me. It's this boastful and proud culture that says, look at what we can do. And if you're not on it, people will look at you like, you know, what's your problem? You got a problem with people taking pictures all the time and being obsessed with themselves and being obsessed with how they look and where they spend their money and you know, and and again, we've kind of started a new format where I don't really know what we're talking about until we get in here. And I will say that my best friend was over today, and I was helping her with some of her schoolwork that she's got for college. And we were talking, and when Brad and I first got together, we were a blended family, and then we had a child together. 
and I was, and I told her today, I said, you know, at first I really didn't understand your desire to keep the kids sheltered, to keep them innocent, so to speak. Um, because I, because I was like, I don't understand you. I think you're sheltering them too much, but you know, well, that's a whole nother podcast about trying to parent other people's children. But anyway, and I said, now, like five years, six years later, I'm understanding it more right. and I'm coming to appreciate it more that they have their whole lives to be corrupted. Basically. Well, you do, you, you really, you know, uh, you look at your childhood, right? So it's very, it's a very influential time in your life. It's when you're going to have those people come in who are going to make a difference. I remember, you know, you're going to have fond memories of people that were in your family or people that you knew at your church or your school or wherever it is. It really is the basis foundation of correct. And if you look at it, so so being that's the case, let's let's look at that a little bit. If something bad happens to a child when they're young, does their life genuinely does it tend to turn out better? Or do they tend to carry this baggage with them? They tend to carry it because I think kids don't. a lot of times don't know how to deal with it. Right. And they don't so, know what to do so with it. So something happens to a child, uh, somebody does something inappropriate uh, when they're six or seven years old, and they wind up carrying that the rest of their life. So it's very, to me, when you look at, um, you know, children, it's very important that we protect them as long as we can because there is enough time to when they're going to run into the world. I remember when I was... Um, uh, when I was 18, went to Christian school all my life. You got to know I went to Christian school. I never set foot in a public school. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I think I had a driver's ed class in a, in a local public school because they were the only ones to offer it. And I really felt weird going there to do driver's <laughs> ed, but I never went to a, a public school. We moved around. I, I think I went to 15 different Christian schools and my parents did everything they could to keep me and my brother in a Christian school because they felt like that was the best for us. And I agree with them completely. Uh, I think they did the right thing. Um, but when I graduated, I got a job in a furniture plant in, in the local town and, um, and I had never worked around such rough people in my life. And I remember this, this, I was sick one day. I came in the next day I was out of work. Um, and I came in and this guy came up to me and he cursed me 10 ways from Tuesday. And he just let me have it because I wasn't at work. And he was just using every expletive in the book. And immediately I, my temper just went through the roof because I did not, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to deal with it, you know, and I've had to deal with that over the years. I've had to learn how to deal with, um, the way, uh, I think when we're growing up and, and the other side of being sheltered to some, to a degree is that you don't know how to deal with, um, the, the other things people do, the other things, the things that other people do. That's what I'm trying to struggle You're to say. You're not really aware that, no, that and stuff's going on. Right. And so you walk into it and it's just like this kind of shock that you have to learn to deal with. Now, now the benefit there is that, you know, in my younger days, I wanted to walk with the Lord. And so I felt like, um, I knew there was a definite distinction between, and I'm going to use the phrase us and them, because that's really what it is. They're the children of God and there are the others who are not the children of God. They're the scripture calls them children of the devil, basically. Um, so the world is, there's this line, there's a dividing line between us and them. There's, and so when you work, when I was younger, I, I remember I used to always think of it that way. Well, they're just, you know, they can't help themselves. They're lost. So that's, they're just, and now I don't see, as they get older, I don't see it so much that way. I see it as us and them. Yes. But at the same time, I look at them as in, um, it's like a homeless shelter, right? I, I've been to the homeless shelter and I've helped feed people and, and I'm the one who's eating well. 
I had a good meal that day. I ate three times that day. And here I am serving someone who hasn't eaten at all. And so when I look at the world, that's the way I look at them now. And I look and I think, here I am. I have the benefits and the glory of God and the mercy and his righteousness and, and all these wonderful things the Lord has given me. And I look over there and I see them and I realize they're hungry and they're starving. And that's what they need. And so the perspective changes a little bit between, um, you know, what the scripture says, we're not to have fellowship with the world. Uh, what fellowship has light with darkness, right? What it's talking about there is what, what, what uh, communion, what relationships are you building? Why are you building relationships? Why are you going in and sitting with people who are wicked and who admittedly are wicked and refuse to change? Why are we building relationships with them? They're not trying. They're, they don't want God. They don't want what you've got to offer. So you shouldn't be building those relationships. So that I get. And so as a, as a believer today, I look at the world and I see something different. I see the hungering and the starving. And maybe they're not and not in the physical sense, but their spirits are hungering they're and starving. Desperate. Yes. And and so in this, in this one verse in Jeremiah, we see that what God says. And he says, I want you to read it one more time for me, please. All right. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And there's the, and he's telling us what he delights in. He's delighting in, in the, the loving, his loving kindness. He delights to give us that. He delights in being kind to us and being, and being just a wonderful God. He likes, uh, it's just like me and my kids. You know, I love being able to take care of my children. I, I think most men take pride in that. That's our thing. You know, we're going to provide for our family, the majority of men. Some um, of them. Yeah, the majority of us. We want to provide for our families. We want to take care of our kids. And nobody, you know, you get to this point where you ain't nobody taking my kids. Nobody's going to do that but me. And I think God looks at us the same way. We're his children, and he loves to do things for us. He loves to help us. He loves us. Um, and that's what he wants us. And that is a whole different thing. So when things, uh, when good things come upon me, when good things come into my life, um, when good things happen, um, when blessings come my way, why would I ever stand up and say, well, look what I did. I got a really great job. Look what I did. I accomplished this or that. Look what I did. I took, you know, I, I, me and my wife have gotten into photography lately, nature photography. What would I stand up and say? Well, look at all these wonderful pictures I took. Look at all. I didn't create that. I didn't make nature. I didn't make the mountains or the or the grand cow. I didn't do any of that. So why would I dare stand up and boast about what I've done when I've actually done absolutely nothing? You know, God gives us the desire. Um, and that's the main thing we have to understand is God may place in your heart a desire to witness to others or to, um, to use a talent, say music. Maybe he wants you to get in your local congregation and he wants you to sing or play an instrument or whatever. That has nothing to do with you. That has absolutely nothing to do with you. That is a desire that God has alone to you, really, honestly. If anyone ever thinks that they have a talent that is their own, be very careful because that could be taken away easily. There are plenty of people out there who thought they had some kind of skill or talent and immediately, you know, had that taken away from them. It, it doesn't take much, a car crash, and it can take it all away from you. And I'm not saying God would do that, but I am saying we have to be careful in who we boast. Because if I claim that it belongs to God and it's taken away from me, I've lost nothing. You know, if, 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 if I play guitar now, if, if I lost, Lord don't want to, but if I lost one of my hands and I was unable to play guitar anymore, 
It would bother me, but I didn't lose anything because God had done what he needed to do through me. He had used me to, to accomplish his goal. It's just like uh, when someone gets sick or when someone, you know, I've read where people who've had uh, terminal illnesses and they've said, this is not going to stop me. I'm going to continue to praise the Lord. I'm going to, I've got this, this horrible thing in my life, but I'm using it as a blessing because it's, it's an opportunity to witness to someone else and to share with them. And so our glorying and our boasting should be in the Lord alone. It shouldn't be in anything that I do. And I know it's tough and it's hard and how do you teach that to your kids if they're on a team and they win in sports and, um, you know, and they do well in their team or say they get a, a scholarship to a college or um, they get some recognition uh, of some sort. It's, there's always that opportunity. This is what we talked about with uh, the, the last episode uh, with Nick Foles, the quarterback from the mm -hmm. NFL playing. Um, he was talking about his, he used his position to share the gospel in that not, he could have stood there and he could have talked about Nick Foles and what Nick Foles did and how great he was and how, yeah, you know, I've been working out and I've been doing all these things. And, uh, he didn't, you know, he said, even when I'm not playing football, I, I know I'm okay with God because I have that peace that passes understanding. I understand I'm in the will of God and I'm in the place he needs me to be. And, and I might not like it, but you know, and so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about glorying and knowing God. If you're on Instagram and Facebook, you should be trying to find ways to glorify God. That's, you know, there's enough, listen, there's enough politics in the world. There's enough political posts on Facebook to, to drown everybody. It's absolutely ridiculous. If, uh, if you're a Christian and you're posting pol political posts and you're arguing with non-Christians, then what are we even doing? That's not what we should be doing. And I'm going to call, I'm going to throw that out there and you can disagree with me. That's fine. I'm not saying we don't stand on a, a, a a biblical tenant or a biblical belief because we have to, at some point we have to take a stand in this world, but at the same time, and I'm probably guilty of doing it. I probably posted something political before to myself, but at times we have to make sure that we're understanding, you know, this is, these are things God has given us these talents, these abilities, even the leadership that we have right now. Uh, the scripture says that the Lord appoints these people. Um, and, and the world doesn't believe it. I don't really care, but that's what his word says. And so we should glory in the fact that God is guiding our lives. He's guiding our families. He's guiding our, our local congregations. He's guiding our governments. Um, he's guiding the world. There's nothing in this world that is not in his hand. Um, you know, we, when we were kids, we used to sing the, the old song. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got the itty bitty babies in his hand. He's got everything in his hand. There's nothing. If there's a person on this planet who thinks they are, um, they're outside of God's control or God's ability to be reached, that person is foolish. And the scripture says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's what the fool says. Oh, there's no God. He doesn't, there's no, listen, the Bible, the Bible clearly states, and I think we read it in the book of Acts, that he uses the earth as his footstool. This is where he's putting his feet. He's propping his feet up on us. I mean, and it's just the idea. That's the idea of the grandeur and the nature and the, the size of the God that we worship. He's not just some little wooden idol that we, we carved out and we sat in the corner. We didn't have to put a bunch of candles around it and pictures of the family. We don't have to throw quarters at it and, you know, leave uh, turkey sandwiches out for it to, I don't know, it's not going to eat it, but... We don't have to do any of that. Um, I'm, when I was a kid, I remember, and I'm telling on my dad here, but I remember when I was a kid, we were driving in Arizona, and we came up on a, um, and it's going to sound a little weird, but there was a cave on the side of this rock cliff. If you know anything about Arizona, Arizona, there's lots of mountains and um, lots of big rocks. But anyway, there was a cave up on the side of the hill, and in front of the cave was like a little great door that you could open up to go inside the cave. There were steps that led up to it. So uh, my dad, he knew what it was, and we didn't as kids. He's like, hold on. He pulled off the side of the road. So, uh, he goes up there and he goes into the cave and he comes back out and he's just like, got his pockets are full of coins and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, that's, you know, he said the, uh, the, some people stop here 
and there's candles and everything on the inside. And on the candles are all of the saints. You know, you got the candle of Mary and the candle of Peter and the candle of Saint so-and-so and whatever. So anyway, uh, people come along and they leave quarters and they leave change inside the uh, the cave um, so that they'll get blessings because we're going to buy God with blessings. We're going to give him our money and he's going to give us a blessing. And what would happen is later on, the priest would come by and he would clean out the coins. He would just, he would take up the money for his whatever he was going to do with it. So my dad wasn't going to have that. So he went in there and he took all the change. Well, we drove into town and he drove to a local park where there were a bunch of homeless people. He gets out of the car and the first thing he does is walk over there and empty all the coins out and gives them money to go buy a sandwich, right? And he didn't glory in that. He saw something that he could use to glorify God. What was going to do more good? The priest coming along and grabbing the coins out of the cave or giving it to the homeless man who, who didn't have anything to eat. And so when we do these things in our life, it's not, you know, now if that happened today, there would be people with their phones out taking pictures of them. So look, I'm giving this homeless guy a bunch of coins. Look, I'm, I'm taking them out of this cave. Look, I'm, you know, exactly. I'm going to go viral with this so people can see what I'm doing. That's not the, God doesn't want that. He's not going to compete. Honestly, if you think that you're going to compete with God for any kind of fame or glory, you're going to lose. It's absolutely, you know, this is the part of the prosperity gospel that I have a problem with is the prosperity gospel says, look at me, I'm doing so well. So that means that God favors me. I'm making a lot of money. So God's favoring me. No, you're lying to people and you're convincing them to give you money. That's why you have a lot of money. That doesn't mean God's favor. God does not measure his favor in dollars and cents. He doesn't look at our bank accounts and say, well, you know, this guy over here has got $300,000. So I'm going to pour some more blessings on him. Oh, this guy's only got 50 bucks left. He's got a flat tire and he doesn't know how he's going to make it to work. I'm not giving him anything. He doesn't, the scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care about our bank accounts. He doesn't care if our church, you know, I read an article uh, two days ago, I read an article two days ago that talked about um, churches going bankrupt and churches closing their doors. And our daughter just walked into the room right at the end. So fantastic. Um, so anyway, this article was about, it was like five different things that people didn't expect when their church closed the doors. And one of them was, our, we have a lot of money in the bank. Uh, the second one was, well, I have a lot of friends who go to this church. I don't understand. So it was talking about reasons churches close. And it was saying that, that people didn't understand. We have a lot of money. I don't understand what happened. Why did it dry up? Why did people stop coming? Um, we got new people that come in every Sunday, but I don't understand. We see visitors all the time, you know, and it said, yeah, they come and visit once and they never come back. And yeah, you might have a lot of money in the bank, but then the preacher burns out because the people don't listen. So there's a lot of different reasons why these kind of things run out. But the simple, the truth there is, is God is not impressed with the size of our church or our congregation. He's not impressed with the size of our bank accounts. He wants us to bring our hearts to him and, and humble them before him and give him the glory and give him the thanks and the praise that he deserves. It's not out of this. Uh, I've, I've read people say, well, God is, uh, you know, he's just a demanding person and he just is an attention seeker and absolutely not. He is the creator of the universe and he deserves every ounce of praise that we could give him. Scripture even says that if we don't do it, the rocks would cry out to glorify God. The angels glorify God. All of creation should glorify God. And I, I think honestly, when we get to heaven, we're going to, we're going to find out the creation actually does. I think the vibrations of everything, I think the vibrations of the stars, I think everything in the in the universe that exists is vibrating and is glorying the Lord and we don't even know. We don't even hear. We don't understand it. But I think his own creation is is calling out to him and praising him. And and these things 
don't have an actual physical mouth and don't have the mind that we have, but they could do that. And I think we have to get to the point in our lives to where we say, I'm going to glory in this, that I know and understand the Lord and that I have a relationship with the Father. And I'm going to put down all of these things that seek to glorify who I am because I don't want that. You know, at any time we've been blessed uh, immensely from the Lord to do this podcast. And I know we love doing it. We're having a ball doing it. It's just getting here talking and, and praising the Lord. Um, but anytime anyone ever, and I've never talked to anyone who's listened really, honestly, other than my friend, uh, Fisher Travis and his <laughs> wife. Um, so, you know, anytime anyone ever says anything about how well we're doing, I we don't save those emails, leave, leave those emails at home. I don't want to hear anything about how good me and Natasha are ever doing. What I want to hear about is how's the Lord working in your life? What is the Lord doing for you? What can I pray for you so that the Lord will work more in your life? You know, th- that's what we seek is, is for God to bless the believers and to, to reach the lost. Um, and that's the heart of the whole thing. And if, and if there's any other reason why we would ever do any of this, then we should stop doing it immediately because I, in my own personal life, will not steal glory from God. That's nothing I ever want. Um, I've told the story before I used to go listen to the band disciple all the time. Um, one of my favorite bands, um, and people would always chant disciple before they came out onto the stage and people would oh, disciple, disciple, disciple. And the lead singer came out one day and he said, you just stop, stop. Don't do that. Don't, don't cheer for disciple. Don't call us out. He said, if you want to call on Jesus, that's fine, but we're here to do, don't we, they just were not about hearing people shouting their name because they're not there for their glory. Um, so and that's what, the way we, our hearts should be there. And it takes time. I'm not saying we're all going to be able to drop everything we do right now and walk away from uh, people giving us some kind of praise or attention, that's not going to happen. But it, but we've got to get our hearts to a place to where we say, Lord, everything is yours. Everything you've created is yours. Every talent and ability that I have belongs to you. And uh, I do nothing in and of myself. Because without God, we, we have absolutely nothing. We have nothing. All right. So we're at the end of this podcast. And hopefully um, I talked right through that. <laughs> I get excited. So anyway... Uh, we appreciate you listening again. Uh, if you want to do anything for us, you can pray for us and pray that the podcast does well, that the Lord uses it. And that's all it is, is the tool. We want the Lord to use it. If he shuts it off tomorrow, Hey, we're good with that too, right? We'll go on to do whatever the Lord will have us do. Um, you can reach us at the abnormal Christian at gmail.com. Um, send us an email with a prayer request or even a praise. I'd love to hear what the Lord's doing in your life. Um, it'd be great to hear what the Lord's doing for you. Um, but we, uh, we thank you so much for listening and just to ask that you would continue to share this with others, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, even with the pagans. Don't forget them. (laughs) They need him. So we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.